0: I've now arrived at the grand old age of 50, Barry. I know I don't look it, thank you. But I have now arrived at that age. And one of the things, the benefit of that gives you is you begin to see trends and fads, don't you? I think the the next picture shows one of those trends and fads. (laughs) Everyone knows what this is? fidget Fidget spinner. The kind of... Like all fads, they they kind of get very popular for a while, don't they? And they explode around the world, and they, so much so that even your grandma knows what the stuff is, yeah. But then it kind of falls off after a while, and we could think of loads of games, loads of fashion accessories, loads of music that kind of comes and goes. We we live in a world that's very faddy, don't we? We live in a world that's very trendy and and things come and go. But when we look at our faith, we come to a God, actually, as as Bev prayed earlier, we come to a God who isn't like shifting shadows, who doesn't change, who isn't changeable, who is eternal, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, he's he's all-powerful, he's everywhere. God is an eternal God. And one of the things we have to learn is, is that that gives us a real sense of security, a real sense of, of belonging with God. And out of that, who we are before God is what matters. Because yes. trends come and go. Even in church, trends come, come and go. Yeah. We were talking earlier about Hillsong's Church, Peter and I, and, and we've visited a number of Hillsong's Church, but I wouldn't want to be part of the Hillsong Church because I don't fit into skinny jeans very well. I'm not trendy enough for that environment. But thank God his work and his kingdom is bigger than that. And actually, church trends and fads and styles are not what's important. Who we are before God is what matters. Here's a quote from a Christian writer called Henri Nouwen. That I love. It'll come up on the screen for you. There is that voice, the voice that speaks from above and declares loudly, You are my beloved, on you my favor rests. Certainly, it's not easy to hear that voice in a world filled with voices that shout, You're no good, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're despicable, you're nobody. Unless you can demonstrate the opposite, and that is the voice of the world, isn't it? The voice of the world is for those who are pretty, those who have a good bank balance, those who have all the abilities they're very suave, sophisticated I mean let's be honest, our kids nowadays are a lot more sophisticated, aren't they, in what they eat and what they know. You can see the kids on WhatsApp or on the iPads or on the tablets they just know how to do this stuff now, don't they? And so it's very easy for us to hear the voice of the, voice of the world that says, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not clever enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't have the right figure either in your bank balance or in your body. And all of those voices that are negative, you know, psychologists have said that for every positive voice we hear, we hear 11 negative voices. Eleven negative voices, and I think that's one of the reasons why young people struggle so much with social media. We'll come back to that in a minute, because so much of it is like the show reel of people's lives, and we look at our own life and we see the struggles, <laughs> and we see the mundaneness, and we see the ordinariness of our lives. And we look at other people and it it always seems so glamorous when we look at other people's lives, doesn't it? It always seems so glorious. And then, of course, we've read the Christian books where there's 17 miracles before breakfast. And we struggle to get up for breakfast. And we struggle to get the kids organized and out and all of the stuff of our life. And we wonder where God is in those circumstances. And God says he loves us. That his favor rests on us, not because we're clever, not because we do anything, but because of who he is. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. That's what Song of Solomon says. God's banner over us is love. But out of that, God wants us to be something. God wants us to live a certain way, and I have a couple of simple points that I want to go through today. Any of you have heard me preach? No, I preach very simply. So, the next slide, please, Peter. The first point is this. Really, we understand that who we are determines who God wants us to be, so we have to know who God wants us to be, but that comes out of knowing who we are, and we are God's beloved We belong to him. We're loved by him. But the first thing God wants us to be is, God wants us to be fruitful. This won't be a hard one to find. Genesis chapter 1, if you have your Bible, or your phone, or tablet, or however else. For you young people, the Bible is available in print edition as well. You have some at the back, just in case you need one. Genesis chapter 1. This is God talking about creation and giving us the overview Genesis chapter 1. Let's pick up at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God's created order right from the start is that we're fruitful. Do you know that? God wants you to be fruitful. In fact, he goes on in Genesis chapter 2. And the Bible says that God didn't send the rain at that time because there was no man to work the land. God withheld his blessing. God withheld the rain. Some of you wish he would do that uh, at the moment with our weather. But God withheld the rain because he said, Do you know what? We need people. We need God's people who are there to manage what he has placed in creation. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful in every area of our lives in a relationship. John says later in John, he says, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. So the kind of fruitfulness God wants for our lives is not the fruitfulness of the world where they look at the prosperity. They, They look at the outward things, don't they? The glitz and the glamour. God wants us to prosper from the inside out. God wants us to prosper in our souls. And Jesus comes in John 15 and he says, I want you to be fruitful and have fruit that remains, eternal fruit. Sam said it earlier, that God has called us to purpose. Purpose. And that purpose actually is an eternal purpose, that we have an eternal fruit. Our lives are more meaningful than this life. They're more meaningful than the 70 or 80 years that we're given, whatever it is we're given. They're more meaningful than that because there is an eternal perspective. And God wants us to live with that perspective and be fruitful not only for this life, but bear fruit that lasts an eternity. And Jesus gives us, the way that we do that. In John chapter 15, about seven times in four verses, Jesus says, Remain in me. In other words, keep connected to me, stay close to me. He uses the images, image of the vine that has to stay nourished. And we understand that if you cut something off a tree, I'm sure all of you husbands give flowers to your wives recently. Definitely, Kevin, was that, yeah? Kevin says, definitely, we'll check with Sam later. <laughs> but once you cut a flower off a tree or from the plant that it was connected to, what happens? It's beginning the process of decay and dying. We understand the fact that we need to keep connected to the source in order to bear fruit. But let's be honest, that can be difficult, can not it? Because we live in a world filled with noise. Have you ever noticed how much noise? And I don't just mean the, the planes flying over our head in Gatwick. We can kind of drown out the noise of that. But we often fill up every available space. What's one of the first things we do when we get into a car? Turn on the radio. We connect music, don't we? What's, what's the first thing that most people do when they get up in the morning. If you're my age, maybe it's go to the bathroom. If you're younger, maybe that's the second thing you do. For most people, they'll look at their phone. Most people, the first thing they'll do is look at their phone. I don't know about the accuracy of the statistics, but I I, I do believe the trends. One survey has suggested that on average, people touch their phones 2000 times a day now I don't know if we do it depends on your job maybe it depends on your, your circumstances but I do know we touch our phones a lot don't we we're connected to our phones quite a lot and we we live in the world where we want to keep connected the challenge with that is how disconnected it can make our relationship with God We'll come back to making space for God a little bit later. But that's one of the challenges we find. If we're going to be fruitful, then we have to remain in Christ. We have to keep connected to him. Secondly, next slide. God wants us to be fruitful. And this happens by staying close to Jesus. Secondly, God wants us to be faithful. I'm sure many of you have read the story many times. Matthew chapter 25, it's the story of the parable of the talents where the guy is given by the master, three people are given by the master various numbers of talent or or money or or gold, depending on which version you use. One is given five, one is given two, one is given one. And who knows what happens with the guy with five talents? He makes five more. He makes five more, and the master comes and says, Well done good and faithful servant. What about the guy with two talents? Two more. Thank you very much. As, as one man used to say, and there's more. <laughs> so he, he made two more. And the guy with one talent, what did he do? He buried it in the ground because he thought, you know what, I'm going to play this safe. At the very least, I'll have one talent to give back. And the master comes and actually has strong words for this servant. Why? Because he had less talents? No. Because he had less ability? No. Because he had less thinking? No. He thought through his plan. And his plan was, I'm going to bury this because at least it'll be safe. And in the passage in Matthew 25, the description that Jesus gives is very strong. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. The man came with a big speech and said, well, I know you plant where you haven't sown, and I thought I'd play it safe, basically give back to you simply what I had. And Jesus uses that story as an example and saying, Do you know what? At the end of time, when we stand before God, will we receive the commendation of well done, good and faithful servant? Or will we have been described by God as, as lazy? I don't know what you'd like on your tombstone. <laughs> I don't know what you'd like as your obituary, but I'm sure it's not going to be Wicked and lazy. (laughs) None of us would want that. We certainly don't want that when we stand before God. And so my encouragement to you is, what has God called you to be faithful in? As a church, you've been faithful for 15 years. I know right from the very start, your approach was to seek to reach out to the community, to seek to build those bridges, to seek to serve the community. And you've been faithful in that 15 years, truthfully, many other people would have given up. Isn't that true? Yeah. <laughs> and some have. Some have. And let's be honest about that. They will have to answer to God. But let me commend your pastor and his wife who have remained faithful to God's calling. And those of you who have continued to support, you've remained faithful to that calling. You're still seeking to reach out. You're still seeking to serve. You're still seeking to be available to your community. God knows your heart in that. And that's what the church stands for. That's what Bubish stands for. But what about you as an individual? What gifts has God given you? Sometimes I I meet people and say, they say a number of things. They say, firstly, I don't have any gifts. Well, that's not true. Because the Bible says, if you are born again, you have a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says that the Holy Spirit distributes those gifts according to what he has given. Now, I'd love to be able to sing. I can't. I'd love to be able to play the piano or the guitar. I can't. I'm afraid I'm not a real musician. I only play the drums. (laughs) I, I wish, sometimes we wish with other people's gifts, don't we? Bev has a beautiful voice and I wish sometimes I I could have the confidence really to to launch out in singing but really we have enough rain so you don't want me singing so much. And sometimes we look and we say we don't have any gifts but if you're born again you have a spiritual gift. Or sometimes we say I wish I had that other person's gifts. but it's the Holy Spirit it's God himself who gives us the gifts. So the gifts he has given you Are suited for the purpose He's called you to do. The challenge with the spiritual gifts is not to kind of stand and go, I must try harder. That's not God's plan for us. The spiritual gifts are like putting on a glove, they fit us perfectly. It's something that's natural for us. I remember teaching someone about spiritual gifts and she said, no, no one's ever taught me this before. And it, it, it just It just seems that this is me. I said, but that's the point. <laughs> this is the way God has designed you. This is the way God has made you. In fact, Ephesians 2, verse 8, 8, 9, and 10 says, It is by grace that you have been saved, and this is not of yourself, it's the gift of God. We know that, don't we? We know that salvation is a free gift of God's grace. But it goes on to say, verse 10 of Ephesians 2, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in us in advance for us to do. In eternity, God has prepared a work for you to do. There is someone for you to reach. There's someone for you to serve. And you know that word workmanship? The original language is actually the word from where we get poem or poetry. Isn't that an incredible thought? That when God looks at your life, he says, I'm, I'm writing a piece of poetry. I'm writing a poem about your life. Maybe no one else is going to write about our life story. Maybe our name's never going to be in lights, even if it's only Ant and Dex, Saturday night takeaway. Maybe no one's going to choose us. But God has. And God looks at your life and he says, I want to make it into poetry because you are my workmanship. The challenge for us is discovering how God has made us. It's discovering how God has designed this, because we all have a ministry. For some people, that's a gift of mercy. That's that's Bev's gift. That's why she's a social worker. I could never do her job. I wouldn't have the patience for it. Those of you who know me well know that's true. I wouldn't be able to do Pete's job either. I think that's a calling. I think that's something you have to really be called to do that's a gift of mercy for some of you you may have the gift of hospitality the ability to welcome people i i I know ruth norcross is sitting here this morning that's one of her gifts come on par excellence you as a church have benefited of that over many years you know that use that gift for some of you, it may be evangelism. Maybe you have a way to speak to people that communicates the faith in an easy and relatable way. For others, it may be the gift of leadership. For others, it may be the gift of teaching. It may be young children. It may be teenagers. It may be adults. There's at least 27 gifts in the New Testament. Do you know that? It's more than prophecy in tongues, though important they are. The gifts are designed that we serve God. Not only in the Sunday, in the, the hour and a half that we're together. As Kev said, the gifts that God has given you are from Monday to Saturday. It's in your workplace. It's in your family. It's in your street. It's in all of those environments where God has called us to be salt and light. And my encouragement to you this morning is to find your gift and be faithful in using it let's move on. So we need to be fruitful. That comes out of staying close to Jesus. We need to be faithful. And that means using whatever God's gifts has given you. And they won't be the same as me. They won't be the same as Kevin. They are your own unique gifts. I think the third thing that we need to be free is is that we need to be free. Galatians chapter 1. If you have your Bible or your phone. Let's turn there. This is one of the early books that was written. As a church, where after Easter, we're about to go through the whole New Testament together, read it and listen to it together. Uh, church have never done that, so we're going to take them through. And there's actually uh, resources for kids and stuff as well. They take kids right from preschool uh, up to teenagers right through the whole New Testament. So we're going to be doing that as a church. Because it's important we have that grounding in the Word of God, isn't it? And that was true in the early church as well. Because Paul had come and preached the, the gospel of grace to the church in Galatia. But someone else had come in and said, well, you know, it's a bit like Jesus and. It's Jesus and circumcision. It's Jesus and the food laws. It's Jesus and these Jewish regulations and Sabbaths and new moons and all of the, and Paul is horrified when he hears about this, that they had added all these other things onto the gospel of grace. And he said, You who began by the Spirit, do you think you're going to complete your salvation out of works? But unfortunately, I find many Christians who live with the theory of grace, but actually are trying to earn their salvation. So if they've had a good week, they come into church, Lots. you know what I mean? But if they've had a bad week, it's all... I'm a worm, I'm a miserable sinner, I'm I'm not worthy. You know, it's kind of, instead of coming in as Tigger, we come in as Eeyore. Yeah? (laughs) Ever had like that? And so, so much of our Christian life is dependent on our performance. Now, we don't say that because we've learned the language isn't that right, Barry? We've learned how to be nice and what to say and how to respond for being around church any length of time. But actually, so much of our Christian life is lived in performance. And God says, that's not the gospel of grace. That will bring you into bondage. That will bring you into slavery, which is why in chapter 5 he says, it is for freedom. The Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God doesn't want us to try and fulfill all the works of the law. Jesus did that for us. I'm glad the food laws are gone because I love prawns and shrimp and seafood. All these things are clean. And I wonder, maybe it's not the food laws, but maybe it's other areas of your life where you're living under condemnation. What is it Paul says in Romans 8? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. In other words, we can live a new way because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We don't have to live in condemnation. We don't have to live in slavery. We don't have to live in bondage to old habits to old sins, to old patterns of thinking. Today in our church, we're finishing the series on the Lord's Prayer. Actually, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the, the passage today they'll be looking at is deliver us from evil. That whole idea of spiritual warfare But so often what we've done with spiritual warfare is is it's demons out there somewhere. Have you heard people who blame the devil for everything? Got a flat tire, it's the devil. Battery's gone flat, it's the devil. You know, kettle's not working, it's the devil. They blame the devil for everything when actually just sometimes it's life. Things break down or the car hasn't been serviced or whatever it is. We blame the devil and we think that spiritual warfare is is always about the devil out there somewhere, when actually Paul says our greatest battle is between our ears. Do you know that? Paul says in Second Corinthians 10 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And we wage war, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. So the greatest battle we face is actually in our mindsets. Not out there somewhere. The mindsets that says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. I'm a terrible Christian. I'm always going to fail. I'm always going to be second class. All of those negative voices that are the voice of the enemy. But we think they're our voice. Because it sounds like us, doesn't it? And the battle we face is in between our ears. And God comes and says to us, you can live free. You can live free from that battle. You can live free from that condemnation. Because it is for Christ, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So I want to encourage you this morning, you don't have to live in bondage to condemnation. You don't have to live in bondage to your past. You don't have to live in guilt. Christ has come to set us free. And out of that freedom, Paul goes on to say, that freedom is not a freedom to do as you want. You know that? <laughs> it's not a freedom. Oh, well, Pastor Dave preached grace. I can do what I want. No, no. Paul goes on to say, the grace that we receive teaches us to live the right way. In fact, he said to Timothy, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So grace is not a license to sin and do what we want. It means we have the opportunity to do as we should. Let's live a life of freedom. Final one. We need to be fruitful. We need to be faithful. We need to be free. And then finally, we need to be filled. Paul knows that one of the keys in the Christian life is the work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what does that look like? You will speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we have done with the Holy Spirit is that we have often confined the work of the Holy Spirit to tongues. Now, tongues is there in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. We we should look for the gift of tongues. We should be open to the Holy Spirit. But it's so much more than that. In fact, if you look in the, the book of Acts, every time people are filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know what happens? They speak the Word of God boldly. A mark of the Holy Spirit is that something happens to our speech. That's what happens in the book of Acts. They speak the Word of God boldly, and Paul says something else happens in our speech, and that's the overflow of worship. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit is our witness, and another part is our worship. Do you ever feel that sometimes you come to the end of yourself? In your worship? Do you ever feel sometimes you come to the end, that words escape you? That's why we need that melody and that song of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't restrict the Holy Spirit to just I'll have a Shandy Kalagas heater and oh, you know I want a Kawasaki. You know. It's not just about tongues. The work of the Holy Spirit is about our witness and our worship I need filled with the Holy Spirit I need to make room for the Holy Spirit in my life because sometimes, I know you might find this hard to believe, sometimes I can be a little bit grumpy I know that's hard to believe Peter and you would never be like that but maybe you are too (laughs) I've met some of you some of you are as well (laughs) That's why we need the Holy Spirit, because one of the works of the Holy Spirit is joy. One of the marks of the Holy Spirit. It says that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. Do you know what? I need the Holy Spirit, because I need to be better at witnessing. I need to be better at speaking the gospel boldly. I need my worship to have that dynamic edge of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I mean? We sang it this morning. Forgive us, Lord, when we go through the motions. We learn to do that, don't we? Let's be honest. We learn to do that. But God is looking for a heart of worship. When the Holy Spirit comes, he fills us with joy. We need joy, don't we? Righteousness, peace, and joy, according to Romans and Ron Cannoli, is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that's the kingdom of God. I need the Holy Spirit, and so do you. So as we draw to conclusion, what are some of the ways you can apply the message to your life? Now, don't worry about people who are missing today. Don't say, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed to hear that. Because sometimes we do that, don't we? Oh, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed to hear that. (laughs) Apply the message to your own life today, and here's the ways you can do it. In your head, how should you change what you think or believe? Maybe God's challenged some of your thinking today. Some of you're thinking about yourself. Some of you're thinking about spiritual gifts. Some of you're thinking about worship or witness. I don't know where God's spoken to you today. What do you need to change what you think or believe? What about your heart? How should you change your character Or what you love. One of the things that I'm learning is about making space for God in my life. One of the ways we have to do that is actually through silence. We're not very good at that, are we? Particularly as Pentecostals, we're used to noise. But sometimes we need silence. One of the most famous verses in the Old Testament I'm sure many of you could quote it, Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. At least 40 times in the Psalms, David talks about being still and waiting on the Lord. And I think if we're going to see real heart change, we need to learn to be still before him, to let him speak into those areas where he changes our character or what we love what about your hands how should you change your actions what is it that God is looking to bring into your life on a Monday through to Saturday so that you will know he is working in your life he is with you he is for you that you are the beloved of God Jesus started his ministry With that affirmation from heaven, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And as you leave church today in a few minutes, you can leave that affirmation knowing that you're loved by God and knowing what He wants you to be. He wants you to be fruitful, He wants you to be faithful, He wants you to be free. And he wants you to be filled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth of it that always speaks to us. That will encourage us, that will challenge us, that will strengthen us to be the people you have called us to be. Help us, Lord Jesus, to pray. We pray to live a life worthy of the calling we have already received. Help us to live in the light of your love. To know that because we are the beloved, we're free to be what you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God's people said it. Amen. Amen.